0: you are listening to the post-atomic horror podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham supplemental episode two hello every people how's it going this is uh, this is our second supplemental episode um,
1: yeah. After we finish the season, we'd like to take a short break and, uh, you know, discuss Star Trek. Go through the
0: mail. Yeah, we got um, we got a couple of pieces of mail here. We also have some water the plants. That, uh, I talk to plants. Water the plants. Oh, very well. I mean, you're supposed to talk to your plants. You're supposed to, you know, give them some carbon dioxide so that they'll then <laughs> give you oxygen. But uh, I didn't realize we were doing that on our podcast. Now this is
1: not plant chat.
0: No, I That's I think a different
1: podcast I do. Yes.
0: It, really, you do that one, huh? Uh-huh. You ever talked to Chuck the plant? He's my favorite.
1: Yeah, we bond, we bonded back when we were doing the uh when we were doing goddamn it, Matt.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we we have a, a variety of topics that uh, we've been wanting to discuss but uh we don't want to derail. We we really just wanted to get through uh season 3 of the original series is it? Yeah, can
1: you blame us really?
0: We just wanted to keep our heads down, power through, and, and finish because there was a stretch there where, wow. Oof. Wow. Yeah. But we're done now. We're, we're finished. We're all through it. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to ask uh, you, the listeners, would you be interested in uh, some kind of uh, unofficial episode guide from us mm-hmm. if we were to take our summaries that, that we've written for, for the show and put them in print? It would be cheap, uh, but it would be in print. Uh, maybe we'd offer a little extra material. Uh let us know. Uh hit us up uh email or um on Twitter or however mm-hmm. you want. Let us know if that's a thing you'd be interested in doing because we've we've talked about doing it. Uh and if there's some interest there it wouldn't be that difficult. We No, we'd it
1: would know. be real it would that's something that would be really cool to do actually.
0: Yeah, and you know, again it would have to be unofficial, like we couldn't have uh we couldn't have official Star Trek uh art in it. No. You know, we'd have to be very careful to, to not get sued.
1: The foreword by Shatner is right out.
0: I don't know. I think if we if we walked up to him at one of the, the nerd things that we go to at Emerald City or, you know, get someone to approach him at Dragon Con or something like that and say, uh, hey, Mr. Shatner, uh, what, what do you think about this? And, you know, write down whatever he says, and that's our folder. word. <laughs> how can we you- possibly <laughs> get in trouble for that?
1: What the hell are you guys doing? Best bill.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um... So, yeah, let us know if, if that's a thing you'd be interested in because it would not take a, a tremendous amount of effort from us. We'd have to clean up a few things. Yeah. We'd have to get permission from our guests who did, you know, their own uh, summaries. But other than that, not difficult. So No. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, one other quick piece of business before we get into the actual discussion. Um, Star Trek, as you listen to this uh, in America, Star Trek is now available streaming on Netflix. Yes. It took them a while to, to get all the, all the stuff ironed out, but as of July 1st, uh, now available. So, uh, get ye to Netflix. Uh, robots don't say ye, but I do because I'm not a robot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Glad you uh, cleared that up for us. But really, I mean, there's nothing timely about the, the previous 39 episodes that we've just done. Like, there's no reason, oh, I'm, no. I'm, I've fallen behind. Those are there forever. And if yeah. you want to start watching it along with us, start with you know, The Cage or wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Watch along with us, hear what we think, or um, listen to, you know, listen to the show, pick out the episodes that we've we've told you are our favorites. Maybe check those out. Maybe skip, know, Plato's uh, please
1: please. skip Plato's Stepchildren. Please.
0: Please don't encourage them. Mm-hmm. Not good. But yeah, that's just, just so you know, it is now available to anyone uh, in America who, who has uh, Netflix streaming. I know there is Netflix streaming in Canada, but I do not know for sure. If you guys have uh, have Star Trek or not. I hope you do.
2: Yeah,
1: and I don't have Netflix, so I can't check.
0: You don't. Uh, I know friends of ours in Canada do, but mm-hmm. uh, as we record this, it's not actually there yet, so I can't verify. But hopefully, it's there.
2: Yes, and hopefully,
0: everyone can can watch and and enjoy legally. Because for a while there, we were sending people to to uh, you know to a website. Yeah,
1: that uh, that site's not there anymore.
0: Oh, isn't it? I haven't actually I don't checked think for a so. while.
1: So. Last time I checked, it was just, it was covered in ads. You couldn't actually watch anything because every time you tried to, like, you would just get tons of pop-ups.
0: Oh, yeah. It felt like those circa 1998, you know, click on this thing and a, and a whole cascade of pop-ups would come up. Yeah, exactly. And you had to turn off your pop-up blocker or else the movies wouldn't work in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Always, always a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. It was but a yeah. very classy, completely illegal site.
0: But now you can watch it legally, so. Yes. So that's pretty great. Do that. Um, one small uh, piece of news that uh, I, I was looking at recently, um, and I'll link to this. We'll, we'll provide. We're get, we got a whole bunch of things we're discussing here that have uh, you know visuals or, or articles or whatever. So we'll, we'll we'll have a whole bunch of links for you on mm. Um The most recent statement that I read from the team, the team that was responsible for the previous movie uh, in two thousand nine and is also working on the new one, is that they have a 70-page treatment done. Uh, Not actually a script, but a a treatment. Uh, Now that J.J. Abrams is free, now that he's uh, done uh, directing and uh, promoting uh, Super 8.
1: Every other movie in Hollywood. Well, Specifically Super 8, but yes, Mm -hmm. he's he's certainly had his
0: hands full lately. Mm -hmm. But no, he's he's all but said, I'm directing this, I just needed to be free. And the writing team has said, well, we've gotten pretty far, but we don't want to get much further without J.J true you know what this team fucking nailed it last time so if you want to wait to get the entire band back together that's
1: that's fine. That, that could only be a good thing yeah
0: and i and just as a quick bit of uh, uh housekeeping um whenever that movie drops whenever star trek 2 finally comes out we will stop whatever we're doing and mm-hmm. review it for you because yep we you know we we really we we want it badly yeah that movie basically is the whole reason we we got back into Star Trek and, and started doing this for you. So. Mm-hmm. So we oh. will we will interrupt your pro- normal programming and do that.
1: Oh, and I don't know if I've mentioned this or not. Uh IDW is finally doing a uh like a comic series based on the new movies. Are they? Very nice. Yeah, like uh I remember you talking about how you wanted something that was going to start exploring
0: the uh the new universe. I would like that, but I also if those guys have plans for it, you know, I, mm. I mean, I'm okay waiting. But if yeah. if someone has authorized, I, I thought I had read. I think uh, Irish Gab actually maybe sent me a link, and I'll see if I can dig this up. That they're also going to do books now in the new uh, oh awesome. new status quo, which would be cool.
1: I know that they had written a bunch. I just didn't know they they didn't release them for some reason.
0: Well, I mean, there's there's all implicate you know all different implications in, in the new continuity. There's mm. you know Vulcan no longer being there. Yep course the crew of the enterprise being well at least kirk being significantly younger than he would have been before i mean there's there's different things yeah if if you believe the deleted scenes which i don't know if those count as canon or not uh like the klingon fleet's been decimated mm-hmm. in in the new continuity and means, Yeah, well that <laughs> yeah that was weird have we ever talked about that in the deleted scenes of of the the abrams Movie. Like hel- the helmeted
1: Klingons so that they can sort of sidestep the whether or not they have ridges thing. Except
0: the the helmets had room for ridges. As yeah. I that... they, were, they were ridged. No, I don't think that's why they were doing it. From what I heard, they shot dwarves or children. Oh, yeah. As Klingons. And I guess they didn't want to do the makeup. But they did this, some weird trick of perspective where they shot much smaller actors. Yeah, that and is then... so weird. Like on a on a three quarter yeah. scale set or something, I, don't, I They did it for some like some reason to make it look cool, and I I trust you know I trust <laughs> Abrams on that on that front. It's like Man, well, clearly know. they succeeded, but I well except they cut the scene, but mm-hmm. it looked cool. Like I I enjoyed those scenes. I wish they you know mm-hmm. I wish they'd left them. I'm they didn't really affect the overall story, and I understand the need to keep the story moving. But, yeah, but those scenes were fun, and if you haven't seen them, you should. Um. Because they they kind of flesh out the story a bit, and again, if those count, mm-hmm. the uh, the Klingon fleet has been decimated, and the Klingons. My interpretation is the Klingons in the new status quo are not a threat. That they're they're kind of not a player anymore.
1: That is a very that is a very interesting uh, direction to go in.
0: Yeah, if if they if they run with that, I think it's a, it's a nice way to distance itself further from the old stuff. Because yeah, we have got tons of cool stories, and look, we love Klingons, mm-hmm. but. It would be cool to go in a different direction and maybe explore some guys that never got explored before. Yes. And, you know, we, we've seen the Klingons. We've done the Klingons. The Klingons, I believe, in the original series showed up more than any other race. Pretty much, I mean, Now that yeah. we've watched it, we can say that. There weren't a lot of guys that came back over and over again. But uh, but
1: they definitely came the back. Klingons. to Like, they de- definitely used the, the race as
0: sort of the main antagonists. Yeah, at least them and the Romulans equally. Yeah. If not a little more than the Romulans. But then, yeah, the rest of the guys were, you know, like the Gorn were there once, the Tholians were there once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be so fine th- with seeing either of those guys. Yeah, just just as examples. I mean, if you could flesh out some other guys. I'd, I'd rather they not invent brand new guys. If they do, I suppose that's okay. Yep. But I'd rather they play in sort of the established thing and, and you know.
1: And then the Federation was inv- was invaded by Hordas. That would be okay. <laughs> See, I think part of the problem with the next movie, <laughs> graffitiing I kill you on everything. <laughs>
0: That's perfect. <laughs> well, we've there's a, there's our pitch for the for the new IDW series. Yeah, call call us Abrams. Yeah. Uh, you can't see it, but I'm making the uh the thumb and pinky yeah uh, call me gesture here. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the uh the part of the problem that I was I was reading and I I thought about this too and I think we've discussed it. With, with the second movie, is some of the best Star Trek stories are sort of cerebral, you know, there, there's a bit of action, but there's a lot of going to a planet, trying to figure out what's going on, kind of a mystery, kind of a, you know, like like Devil in the Dark. Yeah. Or even like The Cage. hmm Where you have episodes where that wouldn't translate to a big blockbuster summer action movie, because it's, it's mostly people standing around talking and... Thinking about things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I approve of that for uh, Star Trek, but, you know, if you're going to a movie, you're probably going to want some stuff to explode.
0: Right. And see, that's the problem you have if you're only allowing movies in this new continuity. Yeah. Is every story that comes out has to be a big action story. You're, you're losing part of what makes Star Trek great. Mm-hmm. So now by allowing comics, and I think if I remember correctly, books... They can they can at least do those those more thoughtful stories, which is cool. Yeah, there was also talk of another animated series. I think that was a a, a rumor that I saw once, and I'll definitely provide a link to that as well. Um, I've seen no have. Have you seen any further mention of that? I think IO Nine or somebody. Like I don't. That had, I don't think so. Had it once, and they had a quote from somebody reputable, mm-hmm. but that's all they had, and I haven't seen anything on it since. So that would be perfect for me, because I mean, animation now is to the point where they can do you know pretty much whatever they want. You could you could really broaden the scope, you could do stuff with you know I mean, listen, Take is no spring chicken, but his voice is still awesome. <laughs> like, you know, he's still got that awesome Take voice. You don't want to see him commanding a ship at age eighty, but he still sounds like Sulu. Yeah. So you know, you could still do cartoon Sulu just fine. Uh, I like the idea of him playing new Sulu's father. <laughs> no, Hello Hikaru. <laughs> I hope they don't do stunt casting like that. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly don't. I mean, I, I get what you're saying,
1: but it would be cool. But it's not like it's. I, I still stand by that. We need to start distancing distancing ourselves from. Yeah, from Trek. I don't think Trek Two should have Leonard Nimoy in it or any of the other original cast, no matter how badly Kirk or uh, Shatner is
0: begging. Did you read? And and we'll also link to this. Did you read the deleted scene from the original script that they had written for Shatner? I did. It was a really good scene. It was at the very end of, of Abrams Star Trek. There's a bit where Spock is, Spock meets his younger self, Nimoy Spock meets younger Spock, and sends him on his way. And then the the scene, like he's looking at the Enterprise about to launch, and then they cut. And the, the scene as written would have sort of continued before that, you know, after that, um, where he has a hologram that Kirk made for him at his at his current age, so it wouldn't have been a weird like age thing. But he's basically saying, you know, Spock. Uh, it's like Happy Birthday or something like that. You know, I'm I'm sorry, we can't be together. Um, we're all retiring and moving on and passing the torch to the next generation. You know, it, was, it would it would have fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. And Shatner probably could have carried it the way it was written. Yep. And uh, for some reason, it wasn't good enough for him. No, nope, not interested. And that's that's really too bad because that would have been a great little scene. Yeah. And it would have been a nice way to tie them both into the new continuity. But you know what? Whatever. I, I I'm I'm done with Shatner. I really am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just he's got an album coming out again at some point, and I just it's like novelty hits. Ooh <laughs> e <laughs> ooh ah ah ting ting. No, he's doing like he's doing like a, a Bohemian Rhapsody uh. and like um, I don't remember now. I had the I had the list at one point, but it's just like obvious cash grab. Yeah. <laughs> Here's me. Look, because all you guys know that Chatner is ironic mm. and has a sense of humor. Oh, shut up. Just shut right up. I see you driving
1: around town with the girl I know, yeah. and I'm like, fuck you. And fuck her,
0: too. Yeah, he did that. Did he? He did that on, uh, some, one of the, like, third-tier talk shows, like George Lopez or something oh, like that. Oh, lord. Yeah, it was terrible. I think The only funny bit was uh, the background singer's, uh uh oh shit she's a gold digger just thought you should know shatner <laughs> that was kind of fun all right that's good but other than that no not good and and again i will certainly provide a link for you guys for that um but, but speaking of shatner there was an article again on io9 this is uh between them and like uh topless robot and a couple others that's where we get most of our nerd news so. yes we're not shills for them they just provide good stuff uh,
1: they're on our you know
0: our daily sort yeah. of internet hit list Exactly. Um, they had an article not too long ago about um, pitches for new Star Trek series in that in that time between when Enterprise ended before Abrams took over, mm-hmm. where people wanted to bring it back to TV. Uh, Brian Singer had one, yes, which sounded pretty cool. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I, I first wanted to mention uh, because we're talking about Shatner. Shatner had one also. Yeah, yeah, he did. And according to this article. Uh it would cover the troubled adolescence of Spock and Kirk, leads them to a series of adventures that make us conclude that they will become the wonderful people they did become. That's a that's a quote from Chatner. Uh-huh. Uh and he's he's since um published his ideas in a book. Um Star Trek Academy Collision Course is, is the book that's, that's Yeah, the review
1: here. I read of that was made it look not good.
0: Well, the thing is I read some of his books, and maybe I'll review those for the blog mm-hmm. at some point, but it's fairly clear that uh, Judith and Garfield Reef Stevens ghostwrote those books and put Shatner's name on them. <laughs> there, is a, there is a deep knowledge of Trek continuity that there's no fucking way he has. <laughs> there's no way he remembers what a Horda is after all this time. <laughs> or what star date that he went to the Guardian of Forever on, or what you know, there's uh-huh. all kinds of really deep references there, and there's just no way. There's he's no certainly not doing him. the research. No, there's no way he knows or cares about that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure those guys just wrote it, and and the prose style is just far too good for him. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, apparently his his pitch was uh, Starfleet Academy, where he, he would play the old like commandant. <sighs> and uh, it would be like uh, you know young cadets. Um, but this it's now been uh, it's now been published in book form, the the essential pitch has been published in this book. Yeah. Which, as you said, <laughs> didn't get great reviews. No. Um, Spock and Kirk... Ha- oh, this book is on Google Books, and you can read snippets of it there, including the bit where Kirk and Spock have this immortal conversation. At two stretch, Gesundheit, Spock said, Kirk grimaced. Oh, we've really got to work on your sense of humor. I don't think I can take two more years of this.
1: Ugh. Yeah.
0: That... So, uh, Ryan Singer also had one.
1: Yeah... I really liked his take. Uh, it was set in, what, the 30th century, right?
0: I think so. I'm, I'm skimming this as we, as we record, and I don't want to kind of slow the, the thing down. Um, yeah, Brian Singer's pitch um, was, let's see here. Uh, what if, instead of going back to the past, like Enterprise had a new show went forward in forward in time past the 30th century? Uh, pretty lengthy excerpts from the document... Uh, the Federation has become complacent and much more human-centric, mostly focused on incremental exploration and colonization, and celebrating human values. Humans become fat and happy, and the Federation hasn't had a flagship in two hundred years. Meanwhile, the Vulcans have withdrawn from the Federation and reunified with the Romulans. The Ferengi have become a power in the galaxy instead of the joke, uh, and the Klingons were now warrior mystics once again, expanding via conquest. The Federation needs a new Enterprise and a new Kirk to inspire it to greatness, and so on and so yeah. on. Yeah, uh, the 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 um the caveat that singer made is this was one night where we went out drinking and wrote some stuff down we did not really hammer this out at all this was just this was a spitballing uh, his quote is uh, based on one sake fueled dinner
1: yeah well we know what that's like
0: yeah i mean you know we all get great ideas and we all write them down in a fever pitch but then you you hammer them out into something good yeah and he as he he says here he didn't have a chance to do that mm-hmm. So there's a spark of a good idea there.
1: Yeah. No, I, I really like the idea of taking Trek further into the future.
0: Yeah. You know, especially, that's a, that's especially,
1: you know, now that we're into the, I mean, 10 years into it now, but now that we're into the new millennium.
0: Well, yeah. And, and
1: the idea of one, setting it in
0: the 30th or
1: yeah, 30th century.
0: Yep. Because you know, the, the future for the 20th century was the 23rd and 24th. Yeah. The future for the twenty first. Yeah, exactly. Um, Whereas the, the, the whole point of Enterprise was supposed to be we're in the 21st century now. Now we're going to show what it's going to be like in, say, 50 years mm-hmm. and bridge the gap. And uh, that that's kind of an okay idea. But even at the time, I was like, nah, we don't need to do that.
2: And I, mean, jump- I don't need to know what
0: happened before. I don't care.
1: <laughs> and I mean, jumping into the future, that was the shot in the arm that TNG gave to the, uh, to the uh, yeah, exactly. uh, Trek series, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a and reason there were- the rest of them were set there until Enterprise.
0: Well, part of the reason was that you had an established continuity that you could play in. Well, and you I mean, could that's bring, certainly true, yeah. You could bring Riker over to DS9, or you could bring the Borg into Voyager, and, you know, you had, you had the... I mean, the whole point of Voyager, and we're going to get into this later, mm-hmm. but uh, the whole point of Voyager was to sort of remove themselves from that. I mean, that could have been the 30th century. That could have been the 300th century. Yep. Because they were off on their own. That should have had nothing to do with anything. But I guess setting it... Like, setting up a, a crew similar to the Enterprise crew, like grounded in the same rules, I guess makes sense to then put them in a, you know, in a strange place. Sure. I I guess that makes sense. Anyway, um, speaking of failed Star Trek pitches, we were also looking at um, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, Mm -hmm. who uh, was the original brainchild of Babylon 5. Yep. um, Wrote a fuck ton of comics in the last several years. Some of which were even good. Some received well, others less so. Not so much. Uh, most recently the story where Superman decides it would be a good idea to walk across America. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't sound like a <laughs> good <laughs> idea to me, but I haven't read the book, so I'm not And which Straczynski then walked out on. Yeah, didn't even, didn't even see it through. Um, interestingly enough, though, uh, in 2004, uh, JMS, which in, in fan circles, that's how he's known. I don't want to keep saying J. Michael Straczynski, so I'm going to be lazy too. Yeah. Um... <laughs> uh, put, put together a pitch, uh, effectively, basically the same idea that, that, um, Abrams ended up running with, which was, let's go back to Kirk and Spock and reboot and start over and do things a little different. Mm-hmm. Only in his, it wasn't a go back in time and change the, you know, it didn't all feed into the old stuff. It was kind of a start from the beginning Yeah, and just change some stuff. He said, for instance, um, Scotty could be a woman. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily what he was going to do but he's just like for instance if we wanted to change things up a little
1: Yeah, and Nick Fury can be a black guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was like ultimate Stark. Yeah. That is what it sounded like. And uh we will provide you a link here if you'd like to read the it's like a 14-page uh, uh what do you call it? Pitch. Pit, yeah. And, and it's actually
1: it's pretty good. there's some really interesting stuff in there. It's definitely worth your t- your uh your time and perusal.
0: Yeah, I remember uh you and I reading this uh together. We were just hanging out, you know, talking mm-hmm. and and one of us found this and we were both reading like this would be pretty good before the new movie came out. Yep. We're like I would I would watch this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um the, the, I think the big innovation would have been different than the uh, the movie was using modern TV narrative uh devices. Like yes. Telling telling a serialized story doing sort of like the uh you know, the season long arcs. Yeah. And telling big, sweeping stories. And I think that that's something that DS9 started to do. Mm-hmm. But even then, they only did three or four episode stretches. And then they got scared and went back to the, you know, done and one. Yeah. I think, you know, now now TV has proven that people like serialized stories. Yeah, I mean... I think Star Trek would th- be great for th- that. This
1: is clearly what people want to watch now.
0: I, I mean, there's, there's room for both, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, shows... I mean, shows like, say, 24, which I wasn't into, but it definitely proved... You know, if you very clearly make a show where you have to watch all 24 episodes, yeah. people will watch
1: it. And, I mean, you know, TV being on DVD now means that, like, people are more willing to watch. That helps.
0: Wa- yeah. And DVR helps yep. because you can watch it when you want. If you miss one, it's okay because you've recorded it. Yep. And, you know, ha- yeah, having having better distribution other than I got to be home at Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Definitely helps. Oh, I can't so, yeah, be. Th- busy. This could have been an interesting story and uh and it's definitely worth reading yeah. if you if you want to check it out. Um I I'd say if I had to choose between um Shatner's uh, Star Trek babies <laughs> and uh and that I would choose that. Yeah,
1: Strizint's got the uh got the uh yeah. upper hand on that one. I just don't want to watch Shatner anymore.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm done with that. Um you know and the thing is the thing we realized as we went through the original series, I don't, I don't know about you, Matt, but I, I – <laughs> this sounds so hokey, but really, I it, it challenged a lot of my commonly held assertions about Star Trek. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there were a lot of things that I assumed or were conventional wisdom that I, I then went back and watched, and i like, that's not true mm. at all. For instance, all of season three sucks. Yep, not, not nope. true. The second half of season three blew horribly. Mm-hmm. But there were bright patches in season three that really. Yeah, surprised there were some me. great not... episodes in season three. Yeah, and I didn't expect to like the Kirok episode. Nope. The hippie I didn't episode, to, like, space hippies, yeah, and and you know it really surprised. Like reading one sentence synopses just was not didn't you didn't do them justice. We had to watch the episodes and yep. see. This one sounds cool. Well, it's terrible. Yep. This one sounds stupid. Well, it's actually good. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff now that we we've, we've we've learned, and and one yeah. of those is. For a while there, I was really trying to give Shatner the benefit of the doubt. I wanted to say, you know what? It's conventional wisdom that Shatner's a bad actor, but I'm, I am i want to look at this with fresh eyes. I want to watch this for what it is and not just go with 40 years of, of hack comedians. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They're right. Yeah. Shatner is a bad actor. actor. I, I'm sorry to say, Shatner's not very good. Yeah, I mean, there's some
1: things that he is good at.
0: Yep, absolutely. We, found, we, we definitely discovered he has a range like mm-hmm. a, a comfort zone of like comedy, like smug comedy. Yep, That he was great, and that's why Four was such a great movie because yeah, that absolutely. entire movie he was in it's that range, smugging it up. Yep, he's he's the man from the future with all the answers, mm-hmm. and that's just how he played. No, it. We don't use money in the future. Yeah, everyone remember where we parked. But then, <laughs> but then take only that too li- far.
1: I only work in space. I live in Idaho,
0: Iowa. Iowa. Um. But if you take that too far and you make it too funny, or, you know, you try too hard to be funny, mm-hmm. then you get Star Trek Five. Yeah. One of the big problems about that movie, and we'll get to that in a few weeks here, mm-hmm. one of the big problems that movie had was it tried too hard. It saw that four was a comedy, and it said, hey, we can do more comedy. Let's, let's go nuts. And it just it tried so hard.
1: That and the fact that the only person who was reigning Shatner in was Shatner.
0: Well, that true. That too. I mean, we've heard uh, we've heard quotes from like uh, Nick Meyer, who says the, the best way to get a good performance out of Shatner is to wear him out <laughs> <laughs> on take thirty. He's so exhausted, he gives you a subtle, mellow take. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, of Nick Meyer and of uh, specifically of Star Trek VI, the, uh, the, the last movie with the full original crew, um, we had this another io nine article. As it turns out, um, those guys like Star Trek; they report on Star Trek a fair amount, and they had some uh, some interesting quotes from Roddenberry. Mm. about how much he hated Star Trek Six. now
1: Star Trek Six is like my favorite after two so yeah. once again Roddenberry and I come to uh, come to odds well uh, you want to talk about things that I learned from watch from watching all of Star Trek Yeah, I learned to not particularly care for Gene Roddenberry
0: Roddenberry to me and, and without opening the whole can of worms that is my opinion of Star Wars mm-hmm. Roddenberry to me is very much like George Lucas good idea yep. man when it comes to the nuts and bolts of actually writing scripts, he needs to step out of the way and let someone else do it. Yeah, and that's that's how. It, I mean, he, like he came up Fontana. with DC Fontana. Yes, and and DC Fontana sometimes was so embarrassed by the things that Gene made her do that she would use a, a different name from her already pseudonym. Yep. Oh Christ!
1: Um, I don't want to sully my fake name.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, she really just used initials. Like her name was Dorothy. Ah, uh-huh. Dorothy Fontana. But well, uh, yeah. you know, but a lot of those uh, female writers back then. Couldn't you know if they if they use their girl name, people would say, "Ooh, a girl <laughs> cooties."
1: That was an ongoing concern back in the sixties. Oh, it was girl was, parts.
0: Yeah, cooties was a, it was a big deal. No, but I mean, you got a, you got a lot of that with the uh, with the uh, novels, like the early mm-hmm. novels. Some of the best writers were uh, were women, and they like uh, I think it's uh, A. C. Crispin. I think was yeah. was a woman and um, Diane Carey. Yeah, but no, I'm talking about the ones that use their initials rather than. Oh, I see. Okay. Rather than openly admit that they were women, there's there's a fair amount of those.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, she went under the name of Man Diane Carey. Well, yes, right.
0: <laughs> Diane could be a man's name. Who says that it isn't? Yeah. Uh, but this this article about uh, Gene Roddenberry, um, the whole thing about Star Trek Six, the whole underlying issue, like it's it's obviously a, a very you know. Flimsy parallel of of the end of the Cold War, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the collapse of the Soviet Union, and so forth. But it's also about um, the reason it works as good human drama is these uh, suddenly these uh, these perfectly virtuous characters are a bit flawed. They've got some some weakness. They've got some human weakness. They're they're racists. They've been fighting Klingons all their lives. They've been you know they've they've dealt with Klingons doing horrible things. They killed Kirk's son. They did some other horrible stuff tried to steal Genesis made, made him
1: blow up the enterprise. Yeah. Uh,
0: the real reason he hates Klingons. Well, yes. Which he loved like a woman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just, uh, one thing after another with these people. And, uh, mm. you know, they, they're a bit racist and, and the whole, like one of the arcs, one of the nice emotional arcs in that movie is everyone starts out as a horrible racist. And by the end of the movie, he's like, Oh, these guys aren't so bad. <laughs> and Jean hated that. Jean absolutely hated that. And, uh, he objected, and, and we'll link you to this article where there's some pull quotes from him that are pretty rough. But uh, the the, uh, the sad slash happy... I i don't want to say I'm happy that he died, because then you're going into Harlan Ellison territory. Yeah, no. Um, but fortunately for the narrative of Star Trek 6 I'll say it that way. Uh, <laughs> he, he dropped dead and they made the movie they wanted to make. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I certainly was sad that he died, and I certainly, you know... Like it, it might have been better for Star Trek, I suppose, but it, you know, I, I certainly didn't wish. Uh, how about this? I didn't. I didn't wish the awesome Majel Barrett be a widow. Yeah, let's let's put it that way. That's the most diplomatic way we can say that.
1: I I, I just I I hate his his idea that like Kirk is just gonna forgive the Klingons for killing his son. That makes no sense as uh, to that character. Well,
0: not only that. But they've hated them, you know, they hated them through the, the original series. Yeah, no, that,
1: like, that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, and if they're the stand-in for the Soviets, there's a, there's a nice parallel there. There's a nice, I mean, I, you're probably too young to remember this. I'm almost too young to remember this, but I was alive at the, you know, like, I was alive and sort of politically conscious at the end of the Cold War, so I'm aware. Plus, I grew up in a military town. I'm yeah. aware of people who spent their entire lives hating Russians. And now, in 2011, it's like, oh, Russia, that's just another country. Who cares? Yep. And, you know, th- there's a whole generation in between there that had to deal with that and had to, like, what do you mean Russians are good? No, they're not. They're commie bastards. Or, you know, like, there's people who are conditioned and worked up into a froth that these are the bad guys. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what that movie was about, was, like, old people have a hard time dealing with change. <laughs> really, though, that's that's what it is. It's... It's it's another, there's only so many angles you can do with the fact that these people are all 60 years old. Yeah. One of them is in, like, Wrath of Khan was directly about getting older. Yep. Like, there's that they confronted it head on. That's what it was about. Kirk was getting older. and He was, you know, whatever. And they had to deal with the death of his best friend. Spoilers. And, uh... <laughs> sorry, Val. And, uh... <laughs> But no, really, they they confronted the age thing head on, and and they had to find new ways to make that interesting because we just wouldn't believe that they're you know gallivanting Still around the galaxy, having adventures, flying around at age the 60. universe. Yeah, so making a story about old people having to deal with change is mm. kind of a nice way to go out.
1: Yeah, and it was a, like it was a great send off to the characters, you know. Yes, because like One in TNG, we knew that we were making peace with the, that we were making peace with the Klingons. Yep. Show, uh, showing that and having Kirk and the rest of them deal with it is a re like is a really cool really important idea yes it gives the
0: character something to do but it also sort of feeds into the larger narrative of we need to get from point a to point b yep it it works on a lot of levels and for Gene to shoot that down just makes no sense to me
1: no well you know he just wanted to have fucking JFK get
2: killed again
0: and we've we've talked about this before but really Gene's whole idea that that the crews of his, you know, of, of the Enterprise and then of the Enterprise-D are just perfectly virtuous people with no flaws and no racism and no no hatred and no bigotry. It, it just, listen, th- that's where drama comes from. Yeah. Drama comes from conflict. If people are perfect, there's no conflict. Yeah. I, I don't care about the story of how everyone's nice and happy and that's boring. And there were episodes of Next Gen that felt that way. Mm-hmm. Everyone was so perfect and principled, and, and agreed that the right thing was the right thing. Like, yep. Who cares? Conflict is why DS9
1: worked. Yes. And then lack of conflict is why Voyager didn't, which we'll be getting to.
0: <laughs> I, lack of conflict was one of many things. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let, let's get to our mail here, and then we'll we'll get into that. Um, All right. We have a letter here from our pal Persquire. Okay. Um, And he's responding to uh, our most recent episode about uh, Turnabout Intruder. Uh, He says he was watching the episode and had thought. He puts it to me, or puts it to us. Uh, Mm. Janice Lester is clearly insane, but at one time was a Starfleet officer who was passed over for command. I theorize that she didn't pass the mental test for command and blamed Kirk because he threw everyone under the bus. (laughs) Well, that part's definitely true. Uh, The appeal court just happened to be run by male officers at the time, so she believed she was being turned down for gender reasons. Over time, she became obsessed with the idea that women are weak and became determined to throw Kirk under the bus. With that retcon, Starfleet saves face, and a crazy person just looks a little crazier. Thoughts? Uh,
1: Persquire, you, uh, your, your attempt at a no prize is very good, and most of the you know most your logic checks out and everything. But uh, Kirk flat out
0: says, "Yeah, we played the quote in, in that episode, episode where, and, and all he really says is, you know, you're right." Or you know mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a short line, but effectively what he does is not contradict her. No, she says there's no room in your world of starship captains for for women, and you know I know that because that's a famous line that we've we've lo- we love to mock. Yes, um, but uh, and and Kirk says something like I know, <laughs> like he doesn't contradict her at all.
1: No, I mean if Lester could have you know held on to her sanity for for a few more years, maybe she would have made have gotten that captaincy.
0: Maybe uh, she would have been bumped up to admiral. Possibly, I mean, you know, all it takes is losing a ship in the Delta Quadrant to become. Yeah, an I'm admiral. sure
1: she could have done that pretty easily. Yeah, anybody could do that.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so sorry, Perscor. While 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 you got some good ideas there, I I just I don't think it fits with the. Uh, yeah, I
1: know. If there had been a way to use that as ju- as justification, that would have been great. But yeah. you no, know, don't think
0: it works. Um. Oh, another, uh, an email from Irish Gaff, who was right. actually just here. Uh, now that you've seen all the original series episodes, some more than once, what would you have liked to have seen in an alternate universe season four? Specific episode types or themes, that kind of pesky nonsense. He signs it LLAP. Hey, he, hey, it beats LOL. <laughs> Irish Gaff. <laughs> um. I would have I, liked I, to have seen
1: live action Ericsson and m from the, uh, animated series.
0: Yeah, I. I a lot of people are surprised that we're going to be doing the animated series. I think there's some fun stories there. Um, I think the animation and the production values are terrible, but mm-hmm. I, I like. Well, I the mean, idea you work if... with Hanna Barbera, that
1: you get what no, you no, 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 no,
0: Filmation. Oh, that's right, Filmation. Hanna Barbera. The... Yeah, if you can't afford Hanna Barbera, <laughs> <laughs> you call Filmation. <laughs> that guy, the the uh, the head of Filmation, Lou. I don't remember his name now. Shine Lou Filmation. Form. Yes. No, it was, it was founded by two guys, uh, Lou Filma and, uh, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry <Asian. laughs> And they combined. Now, um, he was at, uh, at Emerald City Con a couple of years ago and I, I really wanted to just ask him some horribly mean questions. <laughs> I, nah, never mind. <laughs> um, but no, I, the, one of the cool things the animated series did because, you know, you could do anything you want in animation is have alien crew members. And that would have been great if they'd somehow managed to get a a million dollars on on Star Trek. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, like, theoretically, they're out there. We know they're out there, but we never see any in, uh... No, the only... uh, Other
0: than Spock. Yeah, Spock is the only one, which always felt weird to me. I I at least thought they should throw more Vulcans in there or something. Mm -hmm. Something cheap, you know? I I get that they don't have the budget, but once in a background shot, just once. Yeah. Have an Andorian or, you know, something. Mm Mm-hmm in in some of the books they had they had a horda crew member which was yes great. that was a lot Krumen of crew in horda actually in uh, in Spock's world one of the books that I've reviewed for the for the blog probably my well i way up there in mm. as far as books go i don't know if it's my favorite one or it's it's definitely way up there um they they had um she invented a few different kinds of aliens but she also threw a bunch of like you know the andorian and Tellarite. and you know like for the first time i think that was the first time i really felt like hey yeah there could be other. There's no reason these should all be humans. Yeah, just money. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, if you if you're really answering this question truthfully, you got to say, well, it would have been made in 1970, so you would have to hold it to 1970 TV standards. But mm-hmm. if I can have whatever I want, I, I want it. Which to, is my prefer. Which is our preference. Well, of course, we want whatever. You know, we want everything. Mm-hmm. We want to have money and hair, and you to have nothing. <laughs> Um, no, but I, I would like it to be made like what was saying before to modern TV standards in a serialized format. Yeah. I would love for hypothetical original series season four to be maybe one continuous story or maybe something like, uh, Buffett, the vampire slayer did where you have sort of an overarching, you know, like one main villain and maybe yep. not every single episode's about it, but it builds to that. We, like to we that come back to at that. the end. Yeah. yeah. Like usually, the the season starts out where you you figure out what the big threat is, and then around mid season you you confront them once and fail, mm-hmm. and then building up to the finale you face off a second time and and beat them. You know, some something in that structure. Yeah, and then you can do your one offs in the middle. I know you had some fun ideas for. I
1: would like to see the retu- I would like to see the teaming up of uh, Cyrano Jones and Harry Mudd. Yeah,
0: that would be fantastic. For a I mean, caper. You you we were we were just discussing this briefly before the show, and you you mentioned a lot of coming back to you know. Coming back, like, revisiting old episodes. And yeah, like, I
1: would like to... Uh, a, a lot of the villains I would like to see again,
0: you know? I, I would have loved, and I know that was their intention and they just couldn't get the actors back, but I would have loved for for Kirk to have, like, one particular Klingon captain. Like, there were two or three actors that were quite good.
1: Yeah. I, whichever
0: I, one. But I, want, I would want him to have one adversary that was consistent that came back every now and then.
1: Yeah, my, if, if I'd had my druthers, like we would have one consistent klingon and then we would have finished him off in uh Star Trek 3.
0: That would have been all right. I don't know, I kind of like Chris- Christopher Lloyd though. <laughs> well, I mean, look I, like, I, I love, love
1: Christopher Lloyd, but Yeah. You know, if you had that kind of build up of that character over years and then, you know, No, you're not him, wrong. Gave him like a real send-off in you know one of the movies, that would be awesome.
0: No, that's you're you're definitely not wrong there. No, that would be cool. Um but yeah definitely more revisiting like just sort of build the tapestry like feed into the continuity a little more like
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know we joke that Kirk leaves people behind on planets and it's funny but maybe go back to one of those planets sometime
1: yeah I would Do love enough. to see them go back to uh, I would love to have seen them go back to uh Khan's world
0: to see how mm-hmm. he's doing see I was thinking that but I was thinking no Star Trek 2 only works because exactly because they left him there and forgot about him yeah you would have to leave him alone for 20 years you can't that's one you can't go back to mm-hmm. But go back to, um, I can't, now I'm drawing a blank. But, you know, (laughs) go back, did did Gary Mitchell die, or did they leave him on a planet?
1: No, Gary Mitchell died.
0: Okay. Well, then not him. They dropped
1: a rock on him, remember? Oh, that's right.
0: (laughs) Matt, that was way back when when the show was still good, and uh, I have so much Plato's stepchildren. (laughs) There's
1: an episode we cannot go back to.
0: Yes, never. In fact, what I would like in season four is for them to go back in time. And prevent Plato's stepchildren ever being made. Yeah. That would be lovely. <laughs> no, I just I I don't think like I don't think there's any Earth like planets left to to be. They pretty much covered all the, you know, Nazi planet and Roman planet and yeah. Cowboy planet. Like I don't think there's any left. <clears throat> I, I seriously though would have loved to see them go back to Vulcan. That would have been really cool. Um Amok Time was great. Or <laughs> one joke that I kept meaning to point out that our friend Bob uh came up with was calling that episode Spockamok. <laughs> and I don't think we ever managed to work that into the show and that's a shame, because that was fucking hilarious. Well done, yep. Bob. Um But no, coming back to Vulcan, bring you know, bring Sarek back. But it really do that thing that DS9 did well, which is focus on your supporting cast a bit.
1: Yeah. No, I've bring talked in... about this before about how we lose the supporting cast by season three.
0: Yeah. No, it would be great. To, I mean, give Sulu an episode, give Uhura an episode, but also even your your you know your third tier characters your Sarex. your Chapel your, yeah Chapel well Chapel got more screen time in season three I would say than Uhura did she I mean I guess got, that's... she got more lines yeah she didn't have any real emotional weight or anything but she had more you know whenever McCoy was in sick bay he had Chapel there just because it's easier to write a scene with him to have someone to talk to true whereas Uhura was just on the bridge with a bunch of other people and she didn't really matter she got lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean you know you you're people who maybe aren't on the ship all the time. One of uh like one of the admirals or commodores that Kirk didn't hate. Or, yeah, the the one he didn't hate, right? Or something, you know, just like build that recurring like next gen did this too. You had Luxana Troy, mm-hmm. you had Q, you had guys who came back every now and then. Yeah, and it, and it was a delight to see them because like hey, it's Q. It's always a fun time when Q's here. <laughs> Or, you know, Loxana, it's usually a good time when the now <laughs> No, I actually, her episode. Why Laksana. are you dating Odo? <laughs> but, you know, b- build, like I said, build that, like, weave that tapestry. Build, you know, build those connections and bring characters back and, and go into some backstory a little more. Like, I I've, I, have no idea what Sulu did before he was on the Enterprise or where he came from. or No, and I would like to know that. Yeah, whereas Chekhov, we did get a little bit of, you know, here's a chick he dated before, mm-hmm. you know... Like I would love to learn more about Uhura. I would love to learn more I would about Scotty.
1: More Uhura stuff, because
0: yeah, oh, she of got
1: all of them. She had nothing to do for most no. of that show.
0: No, and that was one of the one of the many things that I think the the, the recent movie really did better was uh, well, they gave everyone something to do. Yeah, I mean, she was more important than Bones in the new movie. Yeah, but when you when you read that script and you go over, it sort of in the in the classic Hollywood story beats. You realize each character has a moment where they get to prove their worth, where they do something to save the day and move the story forward. Yep. Each character redeems themselves at least once, and sometimes more than once. And and Uhura has, you know, a couple of big moments, and it's great. Yep. In addition to that, she is also Spock's love interest. If she'd only been Spock's love interest, that wouldn't have worked.
1: M- much less interesting.
0: Yeah. But the fact that, that she had crucial skills that no one else had... Mm-hmm. Really helped. And and the fact that, you know, really, they didn't have to change it. Like, communications officer is still communications officer, but she's a linguist. Yeah. She actually has things to do that aren't answering the phone. Yeah. And and when she had that line in in the new movie where she says, uh, uh, somebody says, uh, uh, they're speaking Romulan. Does anyone here speak Romulan? And she's like, I'm familiar with all three dialects of Romulans. Like, fuck yes! Thank you! She doesn't just speak Romulans, she speaks all because it's an alien planet, they don't all speak the same language. She Some Romulans are French. Yes. It's like, my friend Mark's, uh, theory is that everyone, like, everyone in the universe speaks Spanish except for certain parts of Earth. <laughs> I like
2: that.
0: Um... But no, I just you know all of them having more to do in that movie was great. I wish the show had done that. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things the movies kind of fixed. Um, the movie, not the movies. No. Um, but even Chekov, I mean, I've, I've said this before, but I watched a lot of Star Trek and watching that movie and seeing him fix like a complicated physics thing, I'm like, can he do that? Does he? No, I guess. Does okay. he? What? What can he do exactly? Yeah. What is his job? And we we've actually puzzled over that the whole time we're watching original series yeah what what is the distinction between Sulu's job and Chekhov's job and I'm sure there's some nerd out there who knows if you can tell us without being insufferable about it by all means yeah we would love to hear from you I I just just broad strokes just I assume one of them steers the ship and one of them I don't know what
1: one of them moves it back and forth and the other one moves it up and down well but there's three
0: dimensions in space so who does who does the who does uh, back and forth back and forth exactly that would be a third guy damn you know, i I kind of assumed for a while that one of them handled navigation stuff like you know see this is what and... that's why they hired Eric's in the
1: uh, f- in the uh, animated series he had three hands he could control both
0: <laughs> I just I assumed one of them did sort of like the Wesley crusher job I mean we uh we, we came in or I did anyway I assume you did as well came into Star Trek via Next Gen first yep and so I just sort of associated with those terms I assume one of them did sort of the Wesley crusher steer the ship control what speed it's going mm-hmm and see, because Data was the science officer, he wasn't. He didn't really belong up there. He was just there. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I always assumed the other guy did what Warf did. I assumed he handled the, the, the on torpedoes and the, yeah. Yeah, all the, the shields. And maybe even because that's not enough, because they're not always fighting somebody, maybe internal security as well. Yep. And I always kind of thought that's what Chekhov's job was. But, but then I realized when we watched it, no, there's no indication of that, except in the mirror universe, and that mm-hmm. doesn't count. Because he was head of security there, but that doesn't count. No, and so, I uh, mean,
1: from what I could tell, the in the last episode when the uh, when uh, Lester and Kirk's body ch- uh, turns security against them, like he yeah.
0: clearly is not in charge of those guys. No, and in my head he was, he was the head yeah. of security, but I guess that's not true. I don't know what he does. I still am not entirely clear what he does, and I'm not. That's not even a. That's not even us joking about you know. Shagov being useless. I really just, I don't know what his job is. Yeah, just, what do you do? Yeah, Sulu is the navigator. What is Shagov's job? And even in the new movie, like, he did useful stuff, but I still wasn't quite clear. He, there's a bit where there's a really complicated, it, basically a physics puzzle where, uh, uh Kirk and, um, who is he following? Sulu. Kirk and Sulu are plummeting from orbit. Yep. To the surface of Vulcan. And he's got to figure out how to beam them to the ship without the momentum, without the, the – uh, yeah. The, the, without you know. crushing them. Yeah. And and so there's incredible amounts of, of, of you know physics and math involved that he does in his head. And he beams mm-hmm. them in and, and gets them there. And, and that's like, wow, you need a guy like that. I get that. I, I understand enough about basic science and science fiction to get that you need a guy like that. But what job is that? <laughs> physics guy. Math wits. I don't know. I mean we do need one. What? Who is he? What does he do? (laughs) I don't know. What does Chekhov do? (laughs) Math man. Okay. Come on, Um, math man. we have a voicemail here, which um, we don't advertise this on the show. This is something we use for our other podcast. If you ever want to uh, ask us a question, leave us a comment, whatever, uh, you're certainly welcome to. Um, We have a voicemail that we use for Sarcastic Voyage, but you're welcome to use that as well. Uh, the number is two zero six nine seven three three nine eight two. Because we don't answer questions a lot, we don't really promote that stuff a lot. But you're you're certainly welcome yeah. to call us if you if you ever want to. Just don't expect to hear back from us right away. Yeah, we when we do these supplemental episodes, we'll uh, we'll get to it. But uh, mm. we just we don't do these often because, um, like I say, sometimes we get stuck in a rough patch. We just want to get through it. Yeah, and, and do and, and I like keeping our shows at a, at, a, at an hour. This one's going to be insane. Mm-hmm. But I like keeping our shows to have from between half an hour and an hour, and yeah, uh, you know, unless we get a lot to talk about, I'd, I'd like to keep it that way. And if we're answering mail, then, you know, we're just gonna it's gonna get out of control. Uh, but that said, we have a wave of a from our friend Pat McDonald. So, hey man, uh, guys, hey guys, uh, it's Pat, just uh, sitting here on the toilet and uh, listening to your uh, Star Trek podcasting. And you know, I know I should send this to the the, the post atomic horror uh email or whatever but uh the only number i have my phone anyway wanted to say we really have never cared about star trek watched new star trek and you know it was all right i've never seen anything else really um you guys uh you guys think that star trek thing interesting and um i'm enjoying your other podcast so i guess this is just an endorsement of that other podcast uh you maybe kind of care about Star Trek and maybe think about watching it on Netflix. Maybe. Anyway, keep kicking asses. Bye. High praise. Hey, you know, it really is. I mean, yeah. he's, he's goofing around and, and whatever. But there is there is a stigma about Star Trek among nerds. Mm-hmm. Nerds have their own communities. I mean, we've, we've established that there are certain things that, that we're not into. And we, we're not on the same page on everything. No, but but Matt and I line up on a lot of stuff, which is why we we work together because you know we we agree on a lot of stuff. Neither of us is really into Tolkien that much. No, nope. um, I'm not really into fantasy much at all. I mean, Matt's not, a little more not than especially. I am, especially. But, but no, and and you know everyone's got their little camps. Everyone's got what they're into, and to be able to reach out and say, look, Star Trek is not as inaccessible as you think. It's actually pretty good to to reach out to any of our fellow fellow nerds and and convince them you know, this stuff's fun. Check it out.
1: Yeah. No, it that's,
0: means, it means we're doing a good job. Yes. It, it means we're doing like, I mean, we have fun doing this and, and it's a good time, but really that's, that's one of the best side effects that I've had from the show. And and our pal Scott Ziyoko is another one where he knew nothing about Star Trek and, and he's, he's a dedicated listener to the show mm-hmm. and he's, he's expressed an interest in watching a lot more of it now. And, and, that makes me happy. It makes yeah. me, you know, beyond what we're doing, it makes me happy that we're pointing them to something good. Yeah. I mean, never mind that they're listening to our show. That That's great. That's fine, whatever. But the fact that we're sort of winning over converts to, you know, <laughs> the closest thing we have to a religion, <laughs> that's pretty great.
2: Yeah.
1: No, uh, it's, uh. this is exactly what I was hoping yeah. would happen when we started doing this show.
0: I was hoping, but I, hon- I seriously never imagined we would. No. At best, I thought we would take people who were into next-gen and convince them that maybe the original series The original is worth checking out, yeah. Yeah, and it is. And and in, in a broad <laughs> sense, I think this is still one of the best groups of characters that they had. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think there's a reason they went back to, to Kirk, Spock, and Bones. Because, they, you know, as, as much as I started out with Picard and Riker and Data, they're good, but they're not. They're no...
1: They are not Kirk, Spock, and Bones. No. Really
0: Spock and Bones. Yes. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, these these characters are fantastic, and and anyone you know, I anyone we've convinced to to watch the show. I, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope we haven't led you astray because that that just that makes us feel great. Mm-hmm. All right, one final email here, but this one's going to <laughs> this is going to be a long one, as I'm sure you're looking at the running time and saying, Jesus, what are they talking about? <laughs> well, the last large segment of this show <laughs> is going to be dedicated to this final email, which comes from our pal Flonk. And he writes, "Greetings, fellow Klingons." <laughs> that that is a that is a nice callback there. <laughs> when I first moved to Seattle, I was looking uh, was looking at some websites for like meetup uh, meetup. I think it's meetup.com. dot com. It's like you know uh, groups of people who meet up in public, you know, just like trying to get out and meet people and stuff. Sure. And uh, I didn't know a lot of people here. <laughs> and one of the the Star Trek group was, was, was called each other fellow Klingons, and I said, "Nope, <laughs> not doing that." Sorry. Yeah. I'm sure you people are lovely, but... uh, Yeah. Uh, So he says, Greetings, fellow Klingons. Uh, You've mentioned a few times that you know how you would have fixed Voyager. Can you tell us some of your plan, Flonk? This is something we'd plan to talk about anyway, and Flonk gave us a perfect setup Yeah, so thank you for that.
1: (laughs) One afternoon, Al and I spent something like four hours on AIM discussing exactly what was wrong with Voyager and how we would fix it.
0: Yeah, and now I have this uh, Richard Nixon-like obsession with saving all our conversations. yeah, I actually logged the IM. No, I do this because Matt and I have written together for years, and sometimes our best ideas happen when we're conversing. And then when we go back to write, it's like, uh, yeah, what I, happened?
1: I, I used to think it was creepy too, but it really did It really did work out. So No, this was my, th- I wasn't
0: doing it from day one. I started no. doing it when we were doing our stupid webcomic. Yeah. Because we'd come up with these great ideas in this sort of brainstorming sessions. And then I'd sit down to write the script, and I'm just like, what the fuck did we just think about? <laughs> I do not remember. Matt came up with a great piece of dialogue that I cannot duplicate now. <laughs> so I just started keeping I don't look at these things ever, but, but I dug this up because this was, this was a good discussion we had. This was, this was a solid. I, we're, we're going back and reading this before the show to kind of refresh our memories. And we're just breaking our arms, patting ourselves on the back here. Like,
1: you know so, what? We're fucking awesome.
0: This is really insightful, me of the past. <laughs> you know what you're talking about. What happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't go that far. <laughs> but really, I just, I mean, this this this, this conversation we had really kind of... This is when you and I first realized we were on the same page as far as Voyager goes. Yeah. We both had the same problems with the show. But beyond that, beyond being just nerds who bitch about how something was wrong, we went a step further and said, you yeah, know, if we had the show, if, if somehow in some weird world someone gave us control and said, here, make Star Trek Voyager, we would have we would have done some things different. Mm-hmm. My,
1: my biggest problem with Voyager has always been that the show started off with a premise that was completely different than, you know, any yeah. other Treks, and then as quickly as it could, got back to being... You know, TNG. It was exactly
0: next gen, only with characters I didn't care
1: about. Yeah, exactly.
0: Just... I loved the Doctor. Mm-hmm. The Doctor was a fun idea for a character, although it was really just Moriarty from from next gen.
1: Yep. a software uh, hologram.
0: I have a fondness for Tuvok. Tuvok is okay, but Tuvok is effectively just Spock. Yes, I mean Vulcans are interesting, cool characters, but there's not a lot of nuance in your in your uh, you know passionless Vulcan. No. That's one character, like, this, in fact, on paper, he, he doesn't have the conflict with his human side, but beyond that, he's he's just Spock.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I believe he had an anger thing. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen any Voyager, but I believe yeah. that was one of his things.
0: No, and, and we're talking in broad strokes here. We will eventually get to this this series, and we will deal with it directly. Yeah. And so if we get some stuff wrong, bear with us, because a lot of what we're we're talking about here is what we remember of the show, mm-hmm. like the impression we had of the show, rather than maybe specific ex- episodes. Um, but yeah, Tuvok was okay, and uh, again, the Doctor, great idea for a character, great actor. Yeah, uh, Robert Picardo carried that. He carried the, the presence when he needed to. He was also great comic relief without being stupid and over the top.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm looking uh, at you, Neelix. Yeah.
0: Well, our our pal Irish Gav, who wrote to us earlier and was in other episodes, and yeah, he, he's here <laughs> all the time. You know who he is. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I always feel the need to remind people, but uh, Irish Cav is, you know, practically the third man on the show. You Y'all know, know
1: him. Know what yeah. he does for a
0: living. <laughs> he moved away in the fifth grade. <laughs> um, yeah, so Dripping Yellow Madness has been writing um, <laughs> these uh, uh, reviews. He's got a blog of uh, get, the, get the Cheese to Sick Bay, <laughs> I think it is. Um, <laughs> which we, we actually have a permanent link to in post You should yeah. check these out. He's he's into I think season three or four like he's he's moving right along. Mm-hmm. He posts these uh, three or four times a week I think. Like he's he's steaming right through these and reminding me just how much I hated that show, how much promise it had and how much it failed. Uh, but one of his running things is just how t- how much he hates Neelix.
1: Well, I I can pretty un- I can understand that pretty well.
0: Yeah, and the thing is the actor. Wasn't bad. I've no, seen him in other things, he's he's not bad. The alien design actually was a little different and a little better than, uh, like, say, next gen.
1: Yeah, the character is just gratingly annoying. Well, the, and the idea of the character wasn't
0: terrible. Okay. No, they found it Let, like let's, they found it. Well, let's start at the beginning. Okay, you got you got a ship from from here, from Earth, from the yeah. Alpha Quadrant, thrown hundreds and hundreds of you know millions of light years away to the other corner of the galaxy where no one knows anybody. Yeah. So they pick up a native of that quadrant to help them. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Yep. A guide, someone who's a local, who's friendly with you, but it can also speak to the other aliens. That's great. Yep. Uh, and and the idea of a ship's cook.
1: Also thought, good. They didn't have wouldn't. the energy to expend on replicators.
0: Yeah, that was one of the cool premises of the show was, uh, you know, we're stranded far from home. We can't recharge. We can't replace, you know, like starships go back to Starbase and, and, uh, you know, re uh, get refits every couple of years. We don't have that option. Mm-hmm. Of course, we we're have. A... Run... What's that?
1: Of course, we have enough energy to run the holodeck. But uh... yeah, and they're on the
0: holodeck all the fucking time. Which just, I would have killed the holodeck. That would have been a great excuse to get rid of that crutch. Yeah, no holodeck episodes. Next gen used that as a crutch. I thought it was a fun idea, but I thought mm-hmm. they overdid it. I thought DS Nine had a good spin on it, which is put put somebody unsavory in charge of holodecks and make them <laughs> porn. <laughs> Was a different angle on it, so it wasn't just the same tired thing. Yeah, and they didn't spend a lot of time in the Hall of Suites on uh, on DS9.
1: Not really, no. Often, what
0: you would see was characters like you would open an episode. The the sort of the, the cold open at the beginning would be, say O'Brien and Bashir walking out of the Hall of Suites. Yeah,
1: like it was but, how they unwinded. Yeah. Um, Unwound.
0: Yeah, I was just, I was about to correct you, and I'm like, then I'm like, wait, no, is it unwinded? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they goofed off. Yes. No, you didn't see them there. For one thing, they didn't want to spend the money on that. But for another, it didn't matter. The point was the holodeck existed. The Hall of Suites, in that case existed. It, it's a given. You know what a holodeck looks like. You've been on. You've seen Next Gen. Yeah. Let's just assume that they're fighting the Battle of Britain or whatever or at the Alamo and move on. You don't need to see it. They didn't. The, the show didn't spend much time there, and that was it. Was all the better for it. I thought. Yeah. And Voyager should have just said nope. Don't have the energy. Shut it down. Yeah. Give um,
1: them, like, give them something else to do to, like, to, like, amuse themselves. There's something in that. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking and ship-based basketball team or something. I don't know.
0: What what they could have done is maybe make one of, you know, one of the officers sort of a reluctant um, recreation officer. Yeah. In addition to their normal duties, they also have to keep morale up. In this, in this doomed crew that's never going to make it home. Yeah, uh, that's
1: another thing. Morale should be a huge, huge problem on the on our <laughs> what on the of, Voyager, one of, on
0: Voyager. One of the that we said was, uh, yeah, around season four there should be a rash of suicides. Yep, that was our suggestion. And, which and I, seriously.
1: which I replied with, yeah, and the first one should be the ship's counselor.
0: <laughs> and this is why we write well together, folks. <laughs> I had the core of an idea, and you just hit it right over like that. That's so much better. I love the horrible, bleak irony of that. Mm. But I, I would love the idea of like, um, take someone like Tuvok who has no, no sense of your human emotion of fun. Yeah, and put him in charge of ship's recreation morale. That would be that would be a fun, you know, comic relief thing.
1: So I've started a book club, and yes,
0: <laughs> unfortunately, because uh, we're, we're saving replicator space and so forth. The only book we have is The Da Vinci Code. (laughs) There's your rash of suicides right there. Uh,
1: Yeah. Uh, Think I might join in on that one. Yeah.
0: That was just the first book I could think of. I I (laughs) have nothing particularly against that book. Uh, I do. (laughs) Well, that book. You have worked in a used bookstore, so Mm -hmm. very well. Okay, but let's really take it back to the beginning. The big problems we had was there were no real consequences. Everything was just a sort of a standalone done in one episode.
1: Yeah, I... What, what, one of Janeway's big things was always that, like, they had to keep up the ideals of the Federation, which is fine, but from what I've seen, they've never really had to test those. Nope. You know, there was never any time where, well, we can't do this, it's against Federation law. Do stuff where that kind of thing is important, where she actually has to decide between, like, her morals and keeping the crew alive.
0: Oh, some of the best episodes in the other series were forcing the captain to, to explore that gray area. It's well, if I blatantly vague. violate the Prime Directive... Yeah, oh my god, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the very best episode of DS9... Yeah. ...was put Cisco in a very murky moral situation where he could do something clearly wrong to save millions of lives in the war. Yeah. Or he could follow his principles and let those people die. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, is, that, is, that is drama there. That is conflict. That is real gripping stuff. But no, what Voyager would do is inevitably encounter an anomaly or encounter a race that we've already seen, uh, learn something about our feelings, have a hug, and then everything <sighs> will go back to normal. Yep. And there, that's that's one of the main things we would have changed as well. Is okay. You start out with a ship full of races that we're familiar with. If you want to do some Klingon stuff, some some you know Vulcan stuff, whatever. That's yep. fine. that's great. But. Once you,
1: once we're into the, uh, once we're into the gamma quadrant, delta quadrant, delta quadrant. Excuse me, you, d- we don't see any familiar stuff anymore.
0: No, that's it. If Tuvok is the only Vulcan on on Voyager, that is the only Vulcan you will ever see.
1: Yes, we don't, we don't run see. in. We don't run into the fucking the Ferengis that got lost on TNG. We don't no. run into any Romulans, no Cardassians, none of these guys.
0: No, and all of those things happened on Voyager. Mm-hmm. What you just said. Yep. There, there was a Cardassian agent. There was, just, there were those Ferengi from the season one Next Gen episode where they stepped through the magic portal. Yep. There's all kinds of just enough. The whole point is to to wipe the slate clean to say we have these guys based in in this world that you're familiar with, but we're going to throw them into a whole different way, a place where they don't know what they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. I personally am okay with the Borg just because they came from the uh, from the Delta Quadrant. I See, just never, don't think
0: they should have been used
1: as much. We never knew that. But no, but I, I, I think it works. Yeah, I think that's fine. But we definitely used them too much in
0: Voyager. What I think, what I think would have been cool is after we had like uh, best of both worlds and like uh, uh, even first contact, mm-hmm. the only way to bring the Borg back in a in a cool way would be to escalate even further. Yeah, like endangering Earth was was pretty big. The next step to that was oh fuck, here's the Borg homeworld, and here are. Remember that cube that took out our entire fleet? Here's a 100 of those fuckers. Yeah. What do we do? And of course I don't know how you get out of that, but you know.
1: <sighs> creating, That's something some we can work on. creating some kind of techno babble.
0: Creating some kind of techno babble thing with the with the uh, deflector dish is not the way. No. Um but yeah, not just the board. There should have been all kinds of crazy aliens. And you know what? If you if you don't have the budget to make exotic looking original aliens, um, do what you can, but also, fucking, why are you making a new science fiction series if you can't commit to making aliens? Yeah. Go make a sitcom. Yeah. They never have it's to good. leave the living room. But I, there should have been crazy aliens. There should have been, you know, maybe if that show had happened a few years later, they could have started getting into CG stuff. They could have done, you know. Like, I think cool. they had that sort of lizardy. What is it, Species? Uh, six, species 591
1: five, five, or, or, or whatever, which is a cool yeah. idea. Yeah.
0: Um, and and I think that name came from the fact that the board just cataloged them as a number, yeah. which is okay. That's fine. Um, but they were, I think, CG, weren't they? Like they were, just yes. starting to get the technology. To they be able
1: were, to and off. like the actual idea of the aliens was, I think, they only partially existed in this universe. That's kind of cool. It's a cool
0: concept. I just, I think they could have explored a lot more hard sci-fi stuff. Yeah. One of the things I noticed, and uh, DS9 is exempt from this, but uh, but it happened with the original series, and it happened with Next Gen, and it happened with Voyager. You start out with, a, with, a, with the idea, with the premise that you're exploring strange new worlds. And you do that for a little while. And then you've established enough, you know, existing continuity that you, you stop doing that. And you just, instead, you deal with the same stuff over and over again. Mm. The, the thing, when we get to Next Gen Season 1, the thing that I'm going, I think we're going to really come to odds here. Because I think those episodes are good.
1: Well, I mean, I will definitely. I am definitely willing to watch them. It's been a while well, since I, I've seen I, them.
0: I will ask you, and I will ask our listeners, to go in with a fresh set of eyes. We all assume conventional wisdom says next gen didn't get good until season three. Yeah, like it was okay in season two, but it got really good in season three. And I will agree, there was a definite upswing in in, uh, in quality. But one of the big things about season one, if you if you go in with a fresh set of eyes, if you watch it with don't don't think about what comes later, watch it on its own merits. It is a cool show about a, a ship that goes to places that people hadn't been before, and it explores different, weird... Like, there's a lot more exotic aliens, and there's mm. a lot more strangeness, and then later on, it's like, it's all it's all Romulans and Klingons and Cardassians, which is cool in its own way.
1: But it but gets away whole, from that whole...
0: Yeah, the premise... Seek the, out that new they, life. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, Voyager, that would be perfect. There's no way they can get mired in these same stuff every week, because... By definition, they have to explore strange new worlds. There's Mm -hmm. no other place to go. And somehow they fucked that up. I don't get it. I just, I do not get it. There was, the whole, the whole overarching point that we made was continuing danger. There's no one to bail you out. There's no one to help you. There's no one to fix your ship if it's broken. There's no one to defend you if there's a huge new alien. Mm -hmm. You're out there on your own in the cold emptiness and you have to figure it out.
1: Yeah. No, I uh, resources is another thing that like, yes.
0: Well, that's like, what we were saying. A cook is a good idea. A cook the is a good idea. They turn I, off the replicators.
1: I think that they that there should be more than than that though. I think that they should yeah. be needing to conserve their photon torpedoes. Yep. I think that by the end of the uh, by the end of the series, they should be out of runabouts.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, and if they if, you they, know, if a sh- if a shuttle blows up, <laughs> there's only three left, and and the captain's got to be more reluctant to use one next time. Yeah. Things like that. There, w- there was a two-part episode that they did called Year of Hell, mm-hmm. which the, the basic plot was everything that could go wrong went wrong. The ship fell apart. People died. It was actually kind of cool, and I thought kind of ballsy. Yeah. And then, at the very end of part two, they went in some kind of spatial anomaly and undid everything, and everything went back to normal. Yeah. That right there, that two-part episode summed up everything that Voyager could have been and every way that it failed. hmm That it's should like,
1: be your series.
0: Yes, that is your blueprint for the series right there, is... is is things are breaking if if one of your warp engines gets blown up in a battle that's it. you can mm-hmm. only go half as fast for the rest of the series. Yeah we, were, we, we came up with some uh, the whole thing about you know conflict and, and all that is and, and Matt and I tend to like the bleak well we yes. tend to like making things even more hopeless for them mm-hmm. and, and we're, we're kind of pushing that sensibility on our idea but that was the thing what if what if somehow they got blasted back in time? So that now they're in 1850, but it's the 1850 of the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, and um,
1: my my preference is you—they don't find that out for two until like the third season.
0: Yeah, or maybe they get home even. Yeah, <laughs> they get home, but now they're in the wrong time. Yeah, or something like that. Or you spend the entire first season getting you know, I, I don't see—I don't know what what numbers are accurate. I don't care, ten thousand light years, five yeah. light years—who cares? But they get ten percent of the way there. And then something happens and they get knocked all the way back to the beginning. Yep. I thought that would have been awesome. Just, the, again, the bleakness. The the whole feeling of, you should not be sure that they're going to get home. No. You should always wonder, are they going to end this show? You know, like maybe even kind of hint with the fact that they're just going to give up and stay. Yeah. They find a good planet in the Delta Quadrant and just decide to stay.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the, the the big thing for us was, again, keeping them in danger. Really... Paying attention to the basic premise that they're trying to get home. And it's like, uh, there's a a comics writer that that we're both fans of, uh, Ryan Michael Bendis, who Mm -hmm. says uh, people always accuse him of hating his characters because of all the crap he puts them through, But he's like, no, the writer's job in creating good tension and good drama is to, you know, completely put your characters through hell. That's the point. Yeah. You do. And you, you
1: figure out what the worst possible thing for your character to to have happen to have happen to your character, and then you figure out how they get out of that.
0: Right, and that's how they that's how they prove themselves virtuous and worthy and heroic. Yeah, but it's also it also makes for compelling drama. If you see safe week in week out, same thing happens as always. Eventually, who cares? Mm-hmm. If if you kill off some people. And if you really make it dangerous out there, and you make it scary out there... Then you have a reason for people to keep watching it. Yeah, in, in some ways, it should have been more like Battlestar Galactica, the new Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I had some problems with that show later on, but the, the essential idea that they were jumping blindly into space that they'd never been in before, and constantly running away from you know this, this looming threat, and mm-hmm. each time they lost people, that was it. There were only a finite amount of humans left. That's that same basic vibe that we're talking about. Yeah. Here. Maybe not as bleak as that show cuz it is Star Trek. Yes. But, you know, <laughs> more bleak than it was.
1: And and I would also play with the fact that you like you you the viewer know they are not going to get home.
0: You know? I, or or you're not sure at least. Yeah. They don't but have I mean, to get home at the end. That doesn't have to be a foregone conclusion.
1: But I mean like you've got a show with like serious Gilgamesh Island syndrome. You know that whatever happens in the episode, they're still going to be on the island at the end.
0: Oh, Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, no, you could you could play with that, and we even talked about if you're planning out, if you know for sure it's going to be seven seasons, mm-hmm. get them home at the end of season six. Yeah, and then and, you and, and then you the, deal with. Well, the big twist you came up with was uh, something followed them. Yeah, some big horrible, awful thing that they ran into followed them into the Alpha Quadrant and is right behind them. Yeah, something. That, season that... seven is is uh, you know you bring in Jonathan Frakes, you bring in Avery Brooks, you bring in all your big players from the other series. To help, uh, to help fight this thing that followed them home. Yeah. Or, you court martial fucking Janeway for letting criminals, uh, be part of the crew.
1: Yeah, that's another thing I want to talk about. Uh, is the, the, uh... Well,
0: the whole if, Maquis thing. Yeah,
1: the whole Maquis thing. We'll get to that in a sec. But, I mean, like, D, de- like, deal all the stuff that should be happening when they get back, it should be huge. Like, you're talking about people who, ha- who have had to get new technology that no one in Starfleet's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. You know? Like people who've been dead for seven years. Mm-hmm. The Ma- the Maquis are gone. So all the guys who were in the Maquis have that shit to deal with.
0: Well plus the Maquis are war criminals and wanted through yes! horrible things. And yeah, they you you come home in a <laughs> you limp home in a half functioning ship that is that is fifty percent manned by criminals. Mm-hmm and 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 built with all kinds of weird alien technology and all kinds of things. You don't just fly home with some fireworks. Which I watched the finale of Voyager, and that's what happened. Yep.
1: Hey, welcome back.
0: Also, as I recall, the finale of Voyager, uh, they got home by Janeway having already gotten home, and the old Janeway guiding young Janeway home. What? Which is the same kind of time travel bullshit they did all along.
1: What? Yep, that that's how that ended. I may be
0: slightly misremembering, but that was the key element. That I is guess.
1: fucking retarded.
0: Yeah, I know, I know it is. They did so much time travel <sighs> stuff that they thought was clever, but just made no sense. And just yeah,
1: <laughs> this is also as good a time as any to say that I still don't think Janeway should have been promoted to admiral.
0: No, we will we will say that often. Yes. If anything, she should have been demoted. Seriously. Yeah. Way to lose like- a ship. Never mind our, our personal distaste for the character and the person who played her. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think Starfleet should have looked at her and said, uh, well, I guess you got these people home, but what the fuck? No, you're, you're down to commander. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the Maquis. That was one of the central points of the show. Yeah, one, one, one of the things was that they were stranded far from home. The other thing was that half the crew was, was criminals.
1: Yes and that is a thing you should be you should be playing up. What from what i recall like they basically all just sort of joined the crew. Yep. You know, everyone got a starfleet uniform and uh got and to the, work.
0: In the first per- portion of the first season, there was a bit of conflict like well Starfleet does it this way. Well, we're not going to do it. Well, you have to. Okay. I guess we will then. And then they didn't even bother paying it lip service after like the first season. I uh Voyager and Enterprise both, I stuck with for about a season and a half. I give it the full first season I wasn't impressed. I gave it into the second season to see if it got any better. It didn't, and I quit. Mm-hmm. And then I would periodically check back in. Like I said, when the <laughs> finale was on, I watched just to see if they got home or not. Any good? Nope. All right. Nope. Oh, so they got they got uh, Hugh the Borg now, but uh, oh, he's got tits! Oh, well, oh so good. much better. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think Seven of Nine was that. that no, fight. I know. I think me and Matt are the only people who think that. Every time I say that, people are like, "No, she saved the show. It got so much better." No, it didn't. You just like looking at the chick with the big tits. I mean, I get that, but yeah, I that's not enough for me. No, so, look, I love looking at Counselor Troy too, but uh, if it's a Counselor Troy centric episode, I don't really like it because she wasn't very good.
1: Hey. But we'll get to that
0: later as well. But really, the Maquis, they should have been always at odds if mm. they became part of the crew, which maybe that shouldn't even been a foregone conclusion.
1: No. Like, they, maybe we they, should be sticking these guys in the brig.
2: Yeah.
0: But if they if they finally begrudgingly became one crew, mm. fine. They should, you know, they should always be at odds. Yep. Also, no Chakotay, because he was terrible. Yeah. Sorry, Chicote complex like stories about your people. <laughs> now, listen, I understand Star Trek is all about multicultural. I understand that it's about, you know, having, having various representations from various, you know, groups or whatever. And that's fine. And I'm not going to put down American Indians specifically as an ethnic group or anything. No. I just don't think... I, I think the problem with Chakotay was that's all he was. Yeah. All he was was his heritage. It's kind of like that... Like we expected it in '60s Star Trek, where Scotty was all about kilts and bagpipes. But you don't need by to the do Yeah, it... yeah. By the mid '90s, he could be Indian, but he could be other things too. Yeah, it's not like Cisco was only about being black. He was yeah. black, but he was also really cool. Like, <laughs> not that they're mutually exclusive. Oh God, that sounded racist. But no, it just his character wasn't all about where he was from and and what race he was. They, there was a character there.
2: Yeah.
1: Chicote was just like,
0: well, my spirit guide. Uh spirit guides and banging on drums and fucking shut up. Ugh. Shut up.
1: My uh, one one of the other things uh that they never really seemed to touch on was uh Tuvok was uh an undercover Federation spy when the
0: show started up. Oh right, that happened in the pilot where they yeah. where he was on the Maquis ship and then they reveal, Oh, he's undercover.
1: Yeah. Uh if you've got a if you've gotta serve on a ship with a guy who's been spying on you for, like, a year? A guy who's supposed to be your
0: friend? Oh, there should have been a huge feeling of betrayal yeah, there.
1: Yeah, those two should have hated each other.
0: Yes. And more more of that, more just yeah. blatant. I mean, DS9 did that really well with, like, Odo and Quark. Yep. With the, the One of the things I loved about DS9 was the gradual friendship that built between uh, O'Brien and Bashir. Yes. O'Brien hated Bashir at the beginning of that series. I always forget that when I watch early episodes. mm mm-hmm. Because he's sort of this working class guy, and it's very—it's a very sort of British vibe. It's a very sort of—he's the working class guy, and and uh, like he's enlisted, and Bashir's more of the upper crusty the officer type. Yes. And and there's a resentment there, but eventually they built a friendship, and
1: uh, t- until by the end they were closer than than O'Brien
0: and his horrible wife. <laughs> yes. Which I always I always enjoyed that, but it was so gradual you didn't notice it. Yeah. You start out at the beginning they hated each other. And and that's the sort of relationships they should have built in Voyager, where people hated each other and came together, or they were friends and something horrible happened and they were driven apart. But, you know, something where it wasn't just the same thing week in and week out. Yeah.
1: See, When Voyager came out, like, there was at a part at the point where with the Star Trek series, you could expect seven years. They really yep. should have planned for that. Yes. It didn't feel like they did at all.
0: Nope. It felt like they had no idea where they were going, and, and 709 clearly felt like desperation, we're not getting enough ratings, what can we do? Well, yep. people like the Borg, and they like sexy ladies. Let's have a sexy lady Borg. No, that didn't work? Okay, then she'll fight the Rock. <laughs> I didn't actually see that one. Uh, I did. Like that, was, that
1: was right in the middle of my
0: wrestling, uh, fun. It seems, of my seems like it would have been fun. I have no quarrel with, uh, with Mr. Dwayne Johnson. I think he's a fun guy. But, uh,
1: he's actually a good actor. So it was a shame that when they used him, he didn't actually have any
0: dialogue. Ah, it's disappointing. Another fun idea that they had was the idea that they could land the ship. Mm-hmm. Simple, but they really could have done something cool with that. And I don't know, they did something where they landed and they got stranded or something, but it just never felt that cool to me.
1: Yeah, no, that would have been right. uh, that would have been neat for an episode where they decided to where they decide to settle down.
0: Yeah. You know, just land the ship. I, I I actually think they did that. But then immediately undid it. Mm. Like, they always did. I don't know. I just, I I think overall that show was just one, you know, missed opportunity after another. Yeah. I think we've hit most of our major points. But the the, the biggest point that I made was, I and this isn't com- comedic hyperbole at all, I cannot think of a good Voyager episode. I just, if I think of like one quintessential, this is great, this is what the show was all about. Year of Hell was the closest one, and that pissed me off because of the ending. Mm-hmm. There's that Q episode that I like, but that really should have been a Next Gen episode. Yeah, having Q there just really didn't
1: having make sense. having Q on Voyager just underlined the fact that he could get them home and didn't.
0: Yeah, and the first time he was there and he was at odds with them. Yep, that was all right, but each time he came back, it was a little less likely.
1: It's like by the end, he I believe he developed a crush on Janeway.
0: Probably. They tried to flirt with that like, well, what's the one thing that we couldn't do on Next Gen? Well, let's let's have him romantically interested in the Captain. And I'm not sure he wasn't romantically interested in the car. I'm anymore. pretty sure he was. Well, there's that one bit where they wake up in bed together. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I mean, you're talking about a character with no gender anyway, so fucking go nuts.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, But yeah, overall, just Voyager, such a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Enterprise, I don't think it was a great idea to begin with. No. Like, I don't think we needed to know what happened yeah, before
1: not a great, not a great concept, not a great
0: execution.
1: Yeah, but Voyager,
0: good idea, bad
1: execution. Yeah. And I mean, I you I... know, when we actually get around to, actually, to, to watching it, we might actually find, like, some good spots or whatever, but...
0: Well, see, I was hoping that. I really was hoping that I'm remembering it wrong. Mm-hmm. But reading Irish Gav's recaps, I'm remembering episodes, and I'm remembering, oh, God, nope, nope this one's no good. This one's no good. And he's almost halfway through. Yeah. And I'm still not seeing anything that's, you know. I mean, it could be different watching them. Mhm. and I are, are good friends and we agree in quite a lot of things, but maybe we'll disagree. Yeah. Maybe I'll like Neelix. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. But I mean, this is why we're going to be watching it with DS9, so we have some yeah, ca- this was dec- so that we have a counterpoint.
0: <laughs> this was a decision we made early on because otherwise we're going to blow through a show that we are both Huge fans of that is our our clear favorite. Yeah. Obvious, you know, the best Star Trek show ever made. Mm-hmm. And then
1: we're stuck and in Trek Purgatory. Followed
0: by yeah, followed by The Year uh, of Hell. No, between the two of them, twelve seasons mm-hmm. of shows we don't like. I'm still not convinced we're gonna do Enterprise, and that's not a joke. No. I can't see this show to me, this podcast has always been the balance between something we love and something we can mock. Mm-hmm sometimes it's bad sometimes it's great enterprise
1: may be the maybe the tipping point enterprise there's just not enough to balance
0: out the bad but by by reviewing simultaneously by reviewing ds9 and voyager we can always go back and we might have a good voyager episode the same week we have a bad ds9 episode yeah and that'll be that, awesome that is that's feasible yep but for the most part we know how that's going to shake out yeah so yeah look forward to that but as we have said um we will now be doing the animated series starting next week. Yep. Uh, then we're going to take a little break. I'm going on vacation, and then uh, we're going to pick it up with the movies, and then into next gen. Yep. So we look forward to uh, to hearing from you guys, and hope you're still enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to say, Matt? Any 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 other Voyager points?
2: We I I think
1: anything? as we head towards an hour and a half, I think I'm I think we've hit everything I want to hit. Very well.
0: All right. We'll be back next week with the first batch of animated episodes. Yep. See ya, See folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2011. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.